Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Automatic, continual, and unlimited backup for your computer files for only $59 a year. Try it free at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code TWIP and get two bonus months with purchase. This week on TWIP, Canon's president steps down, Apple reinvents the ebook with its iBook author application, and Yahoo begins axing customer support reps. It's Thursday, February 2nd, 2012, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show are Sarah France and Mr. Ron Brinkman. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> All right, Sarah, you you get the honor of uh, telling us what you've been up to lately because you haven't been on in a while. What's been going on in France? <laughs> in the world of France, which, by the way, everybody thinks I speak the language and I don't. So just so you know. You're not even French, are you? Right. I am French, actually. You, you better be French. Me. I am. Can you I imagine swear. if you were Italian with the last name French? That would not work. Yeah, annoying. Yeah. So um, we've been shooting weddings and madness over here, and it's kind of booking season for us. So um, a lot of my weddings were at the end of last year, and we kind of wrapped that up. But I've been working really hard on some aperture stuff and integration stuff with shoot.edit. So we're um, actually finally ready to launch that. I think it's launching next week and we're just finishing up some of the videos and stuff. So I've been heavy on getting ready for speaking for WPPI and I did another speaking thing in Tampa, the special event, which went really well too. So I'm kind of in the middle of... I don't even know what they call this season because it's supposed to be like down season for us as wedding photographers. And I feel no down season <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, Sarah, when you mentioned shoot.edit, um, first of all, just a, I know we're going to talk about it a little, we may talk about it a little later, but when you, what is shoot.edit quickly and what's your involvement? Are you a part of the company? Are you sponsored by them or what? So shoot.edit is a post-production company. They've been doing my post-production for uh, years since they started. And um, we what have... What is post-production for just for those folks that are like, okay, I... is that is that film or what? That's a good question. Um, post-production is basically taking my raw digital files and um, doing the adjustments on the images and then processing them to JPEG or just giving me back the adjustments so that I can process to JPEG so See, that, that they're ready that's, for the client. That's critical. And I, I, that's what I, I wanted people to understand about this because a lot of people are like, when they first get into wedding photography, they think, okay, I'm going to go shoot this wedding. Then I'm going to take it home and import everything in the Lightroom. I'm going to tweak each image to perfection. Then I'm going to make my album. I'm going to order the album. And then I'm going to meet with the bride and groom and give them the album. But with shoot.edit, you just send your CF cards or a hard drive with your raw files off to them, and they do everything else for you, correct? Right. I mean, we essentially do the rough edit, and then we send the rough 
the images that we want adjusted to shoot.edit, they do the adjustments and shoot them back. And in the meantime, we're actually working on what I keep in house, which is our top like hundred images maybe. And we are doing like heavier post-production and editing on those. So they're doing like 900 images. We're doing like hundred. And then within a couple of weeks, everybody's done and we can deliver it to the client a lot quicker. And, um, and I don't have to do, the work, nice. <laughs> which, awesome. which is really nice. Right. So yeah. are you part owner in the company or are you sponsored or how does that work? Oh, I wish. God, wouldn't that be nice? But I actually, <laughs> they did ask me to come in and kind of partner with them a little bit in helping them bring the aperture workflow to shoot.edit because we're, I'm obviously such a heavy aperture user. And the problem that we had is that they didn't have a way for us to keep our aperture library um, intact, really. We were bringing JPEGs back into our aperture library. And what I wanted was an aperture library intact with shoot.edit's images so I didn't have to have JPEGs in my library at all. I could just have RAWs. So um, we finally finished that integration and we are getting ready to launch next week so that they can start actually taking your Aperture library, sending your Aperture library to shoot.edit. They send it back to you with the adjustments in it and you just merge it together with your library at home and you're ready to go. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. I know we're really. Right. I'm really excited that it's finally even gonna, just for me. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get get Jared to come up. To, I do a little hangout up here, or not a hangout, like a hangouts in the brain. Um, a meetup up here in uh, in Silicon Valley for this week in photo and smug mug. So I'm gonna try to get Jared to come up and do a talk in the next couple of months and see if he can't come up and uh, spread the word about shoot that edit. Yeah, that would be awesome. I know everybody's kind of interested in how this whole Opture thing is going to play out. So yep. there's a lot of interest to say, hey, yeah. <laughs> show us. <laughs> so I'll be doing I'll be doing the videos. If you watch the videos, it'll it'll be me. Awesome. Cool. All right, Sarah. Thanks. And Ron Brinkman is also on the show. Also, probably bare feet in a room lined with books. What's up, Ron? How you you pretty much nailed it there. <laughs> <laughs> How, do, yep. how did I know that? On a computer that's about two years old, right? Oh, well, yeah. Got that right, too. But it is a 30-inch monitor, so there you go. <laughs> that's all you need uh, for what Skype. I, You're good to go. It is. It is. What have I been up to? I, I Stuff I can't really talk about. I'm working on the, an iPhone app that's nothing large but not really ready to chat about yet. But I've been kind of learning a bunch of stuff related to that. And I've been doing my absolute best to avoid wading through all the photos that I took from Jordan and Egypt, but I do need to You're dive not done into with it. those yet, dude. I have start. I really, I haven't even started. It's one, of, you know, at some level, it's. I mean, there's, you know, there's no reason why I have to have it done right away, other than all the people that are like, "Where's the pictures?" Yeah, but, like me. You know, right? there is, exactly, but there's a certain joy to kind of like, sort of putting on the back burner, kind of forgetting about it, and and then a couple weeks later, when you dive into it, you're like, you know, it's it's kind of fun to see stuff that's kind of slipped from memory. Yeah, it's like well, you, you remind me of Trey Radcliffe a lot because he'll, you know, Trey's always all over the place shooting all this stuff, and then mm-hmm. he just processes one a day and posts it. You know, I'm sure yeah. he, he's yeah. got. Last time I talked to him, he had hundreds of images that were backed up that he's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that one now, and he'll just process it and yeah. post it. You know, yep. Which is which yeah. Is no, it's you know, it is kind of fun to, and and it's just. I mean, it can be so time-consuming if you really sort of force yourself to just sit down and, and wait through them all at once. It gets really pretty boring. Yeah. So, which is why, you know, I mean, the, the, the shoot.edit kind of model is sort of 
you do wonder where something like that's going to go to eventually where, you know, will it get down to the level of a hobbyist photographer that there'd be resources that can kind of help even that person sort of speed up the process? Because, you know, I could take just as much time as, as a wedding photographer going through the amount of photos I've taken. Yeah. yeah. And at some point it's, you know, is it really worth it? But, you know, for me, since it's more hobby photos, it's not cost effective to hire somebody to do it just yet. But you do have to wonder at some point, will that get more cost effective? Yeah. <clears throat> well, the, the the important thing, and this is my clever segue, the important <laughs> thing, regardless of how many any, how many images you shoot, or if you're using Shoot Edit or whatever, is backing up your images, and that's where <laughs> this week's sponsor comes in. It's Carbonite Online Backup. So basically, they answer the question, are your computer files backed up right now, and are they backed up automatically and continually? Are they kept off-site, away from computer crashes, viruses, fire, theft, etc.? So basically, what they're saying is to be really protected, you need a service like Carbonite, which is online backup. And what they do is basically everything I just said. So they'll automatically back up your images away from your house, away from your office, into the cloud. They're stored off-site. So if something happens, some catastrophe happens, you have a disaster, you can easily restore your backed-up files. Plus, you can access those backed-up files privately on any computer or even on your smartphone, iPad, etc. with a free app that they provide. So unlimited backup is uh, $59 a year. And you can start a free trial today at Carbonite.com. Just use the offer code TWIP, and you'll get two bonus months if you decide to buy. That's, you, that's the offer code TWIP to get two bonus months if you decide to buy. That's Carbonite.com with the offer code TWIP for two bonus months. Okay, guys, let's move on to some of the interesting news. It's been a hot news week. Um, <laughs> lots of stuff happening number one that i wanted to chat about as you guys are looking at in the show notes um and this isn't number one because i shoot nikon this is number one because <laughs> it was the most important story and this is canon's president has stepped down because canon citing because canon uh fell short of expectations for the second year in a row now he's got a japanese name i can't pronounce i'm going to try it's sunjai yushida i be- believe that's pronunciation so he's going to step down, uh, presumably, he says, to pave way for a younger management team because the company didn't do what they said they were going to do. Now, Canon's stock price dropped 19% last year, while Nikon's grew 4%. So let's talk about that. So what do you, what do you guys make of this? Is this good news for Canon that, that he's stepping down to make way for some younger blood? Or is this like, okay, what the heck is Canon doing? Ron? I, well, I, you know, it's probably you know, to be determined whether it's good news or not. But it certainly indicates that they need to shake some stuff up, or that they are shaking stuff up. And I was kind of like to see that. I think it's kind of artificial to look at a company's stock price and use that as an indicator of necessarily, you know, you know, sales and and uh, market share and that kind of stuff. But I look at you know, Ron. I, I look at Canon, and I see the market leader. You know, I see honestly in my head yeah. when I form a picture, I see Canon as like this this gigantic and, you know elephant yeah. that's just moving, and, and Nikon a, but, is like a little gazelle that's like, okay, I'm I'm still here, guys. You know, <laughs> Bob. Yeah, and but that's, true. that's also true in terms of the size of the companies, right? Canon is a much bigger company than Nikon is, but it's also you know a much broader company, and they make all kinds of crap that, uh, whereas Nikon is a very focused company. Yeah, and 
and you know, and so the fact that Canon sales or stock price may be down can reflect a lot of things that may not even be necessarily photography related, right? So it's not necessarily saying that you know it doesn't necessarily reflect on the photography side of the business. I don't know. I mean, it may. I just haven't looked at the numbers. Yeah. But I think you know, I, I certainly do feel like both Canon and Nikon are in a position where they're not innovating all that much relative to some other companies. So it's probably good to get some new blood. Yeah. Sarah, what do you, what do you think? Does this, does this sway your faith in Canada? Never. No. <laughs> I think <laughs> I would be with them till the end. Probably no. my cold dead fingers no, off I, my Canon I camera. Think, <laughs> I, you know, I was an icon shooter in the beginning and, you know, I, I think that, I think that any kind of, any company can fall, you know, mm-hmm. and and I don't think that Canon is completely a fail safe company either. But I think that um, I don't think it's anything major. I think it was a really good decision on on his on his part to really make some room for some new and new blood and young blood. And he basically said it. I think, I think he's right in making that decision. And I think Canon is right in kind of being careful. I mean, no matter what you can't, you don't just stay on top anymore. That's not how it works. You know, there are companies quickly trying to innovate and there there's new innovations coming all the time. And, and the customer is just looking for what's the best. And that is changing all the time. And, you know, Nikon and Canon are kind of constantly going at it. Sony's trying to go at it with them as well. And there's, you know, there's a lot of competition in the market. They can't just sit around and and act like they're just cool. You know, and yeah. and do yeah, the like same they, old thing. They got to the top of the hill and they're done. Now they can rest yeah. on their laurels. They got to they got to fight off the uh, the incumbents all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is you know, a typical you know problem with a big business is that they they have a business model and they tend to stick to it. And eventually, somebody comes along and eats their lunch, and you know, it could happen. I mean, I. Like I said, looking at what Canon's been putting out, there, it's very much sort of uh, evolutionary, not too exciting. You know, if I had to pick a company between the two that's more exciting, I'd say Nikon is, is seems to be pushing a little bit more in terms of exciting stuff. But they're both pretty much kind of. But I wonder, I wonder if that's, I wonder if that that perception is because Nikon has to. You know, and and like saying Canon, Canon is big and and they're like, oh, whatever, we own all this stuff, whatever. You know, and Nikon is like, okay, I'm hungry and I'm, what can we do to make people excited? You know, how how can Canon, and maybe this younger management team at Canon will get them back to that that hunger and excitement. Or maybe they'll turn into Kodak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's for later on in the <laughs> totally. In the we'll be, episode. We'll be pouring some uh, some Jack Daniels on the ground for uh, hopefully for, for now. Anytime there's a change, though, it's it definitely a time to watch a company, you know. So I think all eyes will be on whoever the new, younger, hotter management team is. Yeah, I wonder if they'll yeah. do anything interesting. It just reminds me of like you know, completely unrelated to photography, but Research in Motion just switched out their CEO. And it just fell with a huge thud because he didn't do anything, you know. So people are saying, right. like, saying, "Hey, you and he, al- changed- he also said there's not a problem, right?" Yeah, exactly, yeah, he- exactly. So he's just, you know, so we swap out somebody who's blind for somebody who's, you know, blind and deaf. <laughs> so <it's laughs> yeah. like- like, so hello, you know, have you heard of these Android slash iPhone things out there? <laughs> I don't know, but it might not be yeah. a fad. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I mean, if you look at, you know, you, you, Amazon will do rankings of, uh, of sales of products. And if you, you know, Google the best selling digital SLR cameras, I mean, Canon still kind of dominates that list. If you look at it, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of Nikons stuck in there, but it's predominantly Canon gear. So they're, yeah. they're certainly not doing bad. But yeah, but, but Ron, look back, look back to just two, maybe one, two years ago. And mm-hmm. look how dominant, or look where where iPhone was compared to Rim, you know. And now I, look. Oh no, I agree. You know, there is absolutely a. Uh, so like Sarah was uh, saying, you failed to innovate, and you're published with you know obscurity, yeah. right? Yep. Scary. Yeah. And if you look at the top top five cameras overall on uh, on that Amazon list, I mean the you know, first first three are Canon, and then there's GoPro with mm-hmm. their sort of HD, which is you know obviously. Defined a whole new space. Number Which five still is still haven't new... got that camera. <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 we're entering this world of targeted cameras at this point, right? Yeah. And yeah. even number number five on that list is the new Fuji uh, X Pro One or whatever it is, XP One. That's uh, you know a, a mirrorless, high right. large sensor. So you know, kind of. An, I mean, definitely a more exciting camera than what you've seen. So it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting time, and you know, um, moving on, I wanted to just quickly touch on a sad story. Uh, the Sigma founder and CEO has passed away at the age of seventy eight. Popular photography reported that CEO Michihiro Yamaki he died in Tokyo of liver cancer on January eighteenth. So, and just want to give a nod to that, and also note that we talked to David Metz of Sigma back in TWIP one ninety one about his company and their single-minded focus on photography. Like, they're only focused on photography, unlike other folks like Canon and Olympus that are, like you were saying, Ron, that are diversifying into other areas. Sigma continues to be focused and solely and laser-focused on photography. So I just want to give a nod and uh, just pass on that he has passed away at the the, uh, the wonderful age of 78. Yep. Yep. All right, folks. Uh, Before we go to the next story, I want to take a moment to remind our audience about our Facebook and Google Plus pages. Join our conversation, submit your questions, comments, and more. You can check us out at facebook.com forward slash this week in photography. Um, And you can also, we also have a Google Plus page for this week in photo. Just search for this week in photo on Google Plus and you'll find us. All right, let's move on to story number three. Uh, and Ron, particular, both of you guys, actually, because you both are, are very close to Apple. I want to talk about this new application that Apple launched. It's called iBooks Author. And basically, we, we talked a while back on the show about, and I've, I made no secret that I'm an advocate of eBooks and electronic publishing and self-publishing and that sort of thing. And now Apple has thrown their hat in the ring with iBooks Author by creating an entire ecosystem by which people can get their work published or they can create their work and publish it into iTunes and put either make it for free or put a price tag on it and, you know, get 70% of the proceeds from that book. So I wanted to run out there to you first. I mean, what do you, what do you think about this? Is this, is this a paradigm shift for how people can publish considering how iTunes is sort of changing the way people consume music? Is this going to change the way people consume books? I, not, I mean, the way the way people consume books is going to change. You know, I, I don't think Apple's certainly not the first to provide tools for this, but obviously they're huge and they have a huge impact. 
And from what I've seen of it, it's an extremely nice framework for it. So it does kind of kick it up to the next level. And clearly eBooks is where it's going. And clearly, you know, I worked at Amazon for a few years and, and part of, a lot of what I was doing was kind of looking at where is the future of books going. It was, it was actually my, my job title was director of book technology. Nice. Uh, and, I, and I never quite knew what that meant, but it was, you know, looking at all sorts of things related to where books are going. Clearly, this sense of you read a book, but you don't necessarily interact with it is kind of going to be seen as a, a very old fashioned thing relatively soon, if not already. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what this does is starts to bring this idea of the book as an interactive platform, uh, a lot more closer to reality. You know, for t- photographers, I think it's, it's one more thing that's, uh, number one, it's huge in terms of being able to get get an audience for yourself without having to get a publisher for yourself. Yeah, uh, I think it also points to uh, again. I don't really want to go down the path too far because we've done it way too many times. But the necessity to shoot both stills and video because yeah. now you've got a device that can display both of them. Yeah, multimedia. I'll tell you, I was on a flight yesterday and I, you know, I was sitting in my chair just looking around. And normally, I bring either a magazine or a printed book with me because when they tell you to turn off all your electronic devices i want to you know i want to do something other than look out the window mm-hmm. so i bring a book with me and i open up my book but i before they t- before they made that announcement i was looking around at what other people were doing and i'm not even kidding i didn't see one ipad honestly you know actually i did see i saw one ipad and i saw like four kindles like people were mm-hmm. whipping out their Kindles and just reading on their Kindles, and I didn't see anybody yeah. read any. I was the only one, the only old person on there <laughs> reading a regular <laughs> book, and everybody else was older than me, and they were on Kindles. And I was like, "What yeah. the heck is going on?" Oh, anyway, so Sarah, I wanted this story. I wanted to throw to you because when I saw the iBooks author launch, I was thinking, "Wouldn't this be interesting for folks that create albums to do like?" a multimedia type album with video in it and audio and, you know, pithy little quotes from the, from the, from the wedding guests. And then your photos, of course, and all that stuff, all in one thing that people can then put on their iPad and take along with them. But then how do you do that and distribute it to them? So I figured you probably looked at this. I wanted to get your, your, uh, your thoughts on it. What do you think of iBooks author? Hmm. I, I kind of like that idea. <laughs> I had some other ideas, but now, now I'm wondering, Um, I think it's amazing. I mean, really the amount of things that you can do with this just kind of make your brain explode a little bit. But, um, I, when I first saw it, I sent out a couple quick emails to people who I thought could really use it because for people who've been trying to get published, this is, is really great. And there's so many different ways to find your audience and, and to share this information. And, you know, I thought of a few things we can do internally, of course, but a lot of those things are like just things that need interaction. Like I love the fact that you can create this interaction with the person that is looking at the book. So if you've got even a document that you want to have be interactive it's an incredible way to say, hey, if you have an iPad, you can look at this PDF document that's pretty boring mm-hmm. um, on an iPad and make it interactive and so much more interesting. So maybe as, you know, I mean, just as an example, one of the things I thought of was doing the shoot.edit trainings that we've been talking about doing and more kind of using their layout tools to create something that's like, oh, here it is visually and then here's a video of it if you want to look at that and so different things like that, but also aperture trainings. I mean, I 
my it's brain's endless. exploding. It, yeah, it really it's endless. Is, but... And as I as I research this, my my brain explodes too because it's like everything from training manuals to just books to like anybody that has any sort of idea of like okay, I want to write a book about you know shutter speeds you know now they can write a, a little short thing about it and illustrate it with animation and video and themselves talking and you know all this stuff in the book and then distribute it for free through the iTunes store but what like the photographer in my head is like okay if i want to do a like a wedding album or something like that how do i distribute that to just the bride and groom you know right. cuz i don't want to put it on like, itunes and have a million people looking at it you know when it yeah. i want to lock it down to just a few people and then you know how do well, anyway there's 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 holes in it but I'm yes just and no i mean it just takes a matter of a creative mind to figure it out i mean maybe you charge for it those, Sarah. i don't have a <laughs> <laughs> you you will find a way i know it but i i i think that like I taught an iPad class in, in Tampa um, to a bunch of wedding coordinators last week. And we talked about the iPad like for the whole class for two hours. And this is just another thing that I think is such an interesting tool for people to be able to kind of use the iPad in an interactive way. And one of the things I even showed was um, that you could subscribe to like Brides Magazine on there. And what I found was it wasn't just the magazine. It was an interactive version of the magazine. Yeah. And I was like, that is incredible. Like videos and you could like click on I mean, everything that they show in the in the iBooks author was being used already by these magazines. So apparently the tool was already there just now is released to us. But I just was floored at how cool this, you know, new uh, magazine was. And now I'm like, wait, I can create that now. Mm -hmm. So it just, it really opens it up. And I think anyone listening to the show is it, their brains exploding right now? So go to Evernote and start jotting down your ideas. Yeah, totally. And I would, I would, I would uh, encourage photographers that are listening that are using Macs to head over to the iTunes uh, or to the App Store and download iBooks Author. It's free, and you can play around with it and make books and you know and see what they look like. I think the a cool thing about it is, and we've talked about this on the show before, is that. When you're doing – it's one thing to go out and just say, okay, I'm going to take, take some photos of those, these bees buzzing around this flower, you know, that kind of thing. But if you think from the standpoint of telling a story, now you have a tool that you can lay that story out in in sort of really cool form and distribute it to people rather than just saying, okay, here's my image on Flickr and I'm going to see how many people look at it and comment on it. You could presumably create a full-on – execution of some kind of story of what you were thinking and make it look really cool. You know, so, yeah. Uh, I guess the only draw drawback, if that is one, is that it's only available to iPad users, right? Mm -hmm. Viewers. Right. Well, so, yeah, it's the iBooks format with all the interactivity is only available on the iPad, of course, because it's, it's got all that right. magic code in there. But you can, from iBooks author, you can export as a PDF document, if you want to, as well, and dip, distribute that, but it's not going to have the interactivity and all that magic in there. You're like, this one's for the cool kids, and then this one is kids if you're not, right. if you if you're like on a PC or something. I guess you could use this other one. It's not that great, right? Right. right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Apple, Apple, the largest technology company in the world, is they got to make a profit, right? So heck yeah. And their their goal, presumably, is to sell more iPads. And this is one way to get people over to the iPad is to say, hey, this is really cool stuff that you can get on there. Plus, there rumor has it there's a 
I don't know, maybe a dozen or more people out there using iPads right now. So, <laughs> so I think yeah. there's quite, I'm being facetious, but there's, there's <laughs> millions and millions of people using iPads. So uh, there's a giant built-in audience for your books if you create them in iBooks Author. So it's, uh, it's kind of a good ecosystem that's in place already. And all you got to do is put some creativity into it. Nope. Yeah. Ron, you going to make a book? <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, you know, I've got you're the, the book guy. You, you're, the, you're the only one on the show. Well, I wrote a book, but you're the only one on the show that's written this gigantic tome of a book. Come I on. know it's huge. Well, and you know, it's it's it, it, it's an interesting interesting position because I've got this book that is extremely big. Yeah, and you know, seven hundred pages. But you know, I don't really own the content. I actually kind of I think I own the images because I put most of them out as Creative Commons images before I put them into the book. So. There's some things I could do, but um, maybe it's time yeah, for it's a new of, book, Ron. Write a new one no, that, that you own. You know, there's exactly. Final Cut Pro 10 out there, and all kinds of magic yeah. stuff. Yeah, I know. It's true. Book writing's hard. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken from the guy with his feet kicked up, bare feet, and somewhere in Hermosa <laughs> Beach. Sarah's <laughs> got a book out there too, right? Don't you have a book out there? On, I have a uh... training video, but it could easily be a book because most of it is video content. Oh, right. You know, well, you just yeah, like you, Sarah. It. Yours is already multimedia. It's I know. I like, like, uh, mine's like more ready than his is. I mean, seven hundred yeah, pages, right? <laughs> exactly right. That you know the the sort of the medium is changing a lot, and what is what it's doing. I mean, what this does, which is really very cool, is it changes it from being, oh, I'm going to put something up on YouTube and hope that people come look at it. Maybe I can make some ad <laughs> revenue. To here's something that you know I'm going to make it good, and I'm going to polish the edges a little bit more than I would for a YouTube video, and then I can monetize it and I can put it out there. So totally. uh, it's a good time to have content. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It if the, the content's already content created. You can just drag and drop it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's great. Cool. All right. Uh, I just want to briefly touch on this next story, and it is about, you know, cue the sad music. Kodak, they have filed, <laughs> and this came in just after we finished recording the last episode of TWIP. So this was kind of last week in photography instead of this week in photography. <laughs> um, Kodak filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and a lot of people think Chapter 11 means, oh, they're going out of business, they're dead, you know. But really what Chapter 11 means is uh, bankruptcy protection. It means that the company has given permission to continue. They've been given permission to continue with its normal operations while they mm-hmm. struggle to restructure. So basically, creditors, get off our backs while we get our crap together. You know, excuse, yeah. excuse my French, uh, while we get our stuff together. Uh, so it doesn't mean the death of the Kodak brand, but still... Uh, Bloomberg reports that Kodak is looking to sell off the company's photography divisions. What else? I mean, it's left. And patents in order to focus on selling digital printers and ink. Sarah, um, what do you think about this? I mean, is this, what, what do you think about it? Kodak. Mm-hmm. Kodak was that company that did film, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mama, don't take Sorry, my Kodachrome that away. Yeah. <laughs> She's already moved on. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's, you know... You're going to get hate mail from the from folks I know, that I shoot am. film. I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shot Kodak film. But you, innovation is where it's at. And I think they're at least making a smart choice in trying to make some changes and doing some restructuring and focusing on something digital. So I think, you know, I think it's a good it's a good move, but it's sad. It's I got to really- say, if they're... If they're- Everything else Kodak is going away and it's going to just become a printer only company. 
Those better be some killer printers. <laughs> yeah, isn't that sad? Isn't I want to like see some holographic, you know, something magic out of that. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a lot of technology they've accumulated. But it goes to show you exactly what we were talking about in the first story of Canon versus Nikon versus the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you have to innovate or or even the biggest companies will file bankruptcy is that what's happening ron is like these these companies they start off nimble like like a skinny runner that can run 25 miles without breaking a sweat and then they get bigger and bigger and soon (laughs) they can't run 30 feet without stopping you know too much mcdonald's absolutely (laughs) Um, hey don't hate on mcdonald's i I, I hate mcdonald's um no i actually had lunch with a couple guys from kodak when i was in london uh they've got an office there that does mostly visual effects work, but, you know, they have some interesting insights on it, and it is exactly that. I mean, they, you know, as as a as a division of Kodak, they had, I mean, I know they had some amazing technology, and it was the kind of thing that the corporate masters never really even kind of knew about, I suspect, didn't know what to do with it. Uh, you know, some patents were granted on it, but then it just sort of sits around. I, I'd be willing to bet that there's so much stuff that's exactly like that throughout Kodak, where they got so big and they didn't even kind of know what they had for all of this stuff. And you know what Chapter 11 does is it gives them the ability to be protected from from creditors coming in, like you said. Uh, and basically, they, they wouldn't be able to sell off their assets if they weren't in Chapter 11 in some ways. And they wouldn't be able to sell off their patents because nobody would want to start the process of trying to buy from a company that they weren't even sure what state it was in. You know, They wouldn't yeah. want to put all the money towards making an offer on a company that might not even exist the day after. So what it does is it introduces a stability for a period of time while they figure out what their restructure is going to be. Yeah. And I agree, it would be really kind of boring and sad if they emerge from this as a printer company, but you know, I suppose that's going to be the, I don't know, it just feels like with a, a brand name like Kodak, mm-hmm. I understand that that's a huge value in and of itself, and it's just sort of, you know, where do you, where do you make that decision on, we want to keep the brand related to the printers, or we want to keep the brand related to, I don't know what, so... Yeah, we'll see. It's just a shame. Knowing what kind of technology probably existed in there, the fact that it couldn't be turned into sort of world-leading products the way it probably should have been is is definitely a shame. But that's, you know, a very, very typical big company problem. I would have liked to have seen, you know, the headline, Kodak is now a division of Google. (laughs) (laughs) You know, other than Kodak files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. You know, I don't know. know, Maybe they will. Something will emerge from the other end, but uh, there's a lot of analogies you can make to that statement that don't sound too nice. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to go there. Ron Brinkman, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just, yeah. I, <laughs> I really hope that they make something great of it. I just think that, you know, it's sad that they did have those amazing technologies that if you don't make those shifts with the market when they're happening, sometimes you just get too far behind and can't catch up. You know, it's I mean, it's something in our own businesses that that we need to embrace and understand and learn from. I mean, it ha- if it can happen on this big of a scale, it can definitely happen on a small scale even quicker. Yeah, um, I totally agree. You know, you got to You got to stay on your toes regardless as things move too fast these days for you to. And there are too many hungry people out there and smart people, especially in Silicon Valley. Right. That are making cool stuff. All right. <laughs> Story number five is this is this is sad. This is <laughs> why are we kind of more, such more downers, Scott? Can we get through, 
All these stories are downers. I don't know. All right. Yahoo. Yahoo. I mean, I I can't even. They need to change their get rid of the exclamation point and just make it a period or a semicolon (laughs) or something. So Yahoo (laughs) has laid off an entire level of Flickr's customer support team. So uh, I don't know. Maybe those people that they laid off were redundant, or maybe they were necessary. But anyway, the the bottom line is Flickr is cutting back on yeah, support. Yeah, kind of the it was the kind of the premium level support, from what I understand. That uh, yep. the guys that really knew the product the best, and they were probably more expensive. And somebody looked at it and said, "Oh, you know, that's you know, they probably like the money bring that it was being brought in versus what they were spending on it." But it, it definitely shows that. Flickr is not a huge priority for them, which isn't surprising and never has been. It's, you know, I'd have to look at Flickr and, and point to that as just another example, though, something that they just don't quite get. And they don't understand what they have sitting there. I mean, a rich community for sharing photos, and even the photos themselves, I think, have real value. And, you know, had they come along and come up with a way like Apple's doing for monetizing content, you know, they could be taking their 30% off the top of it and making good money off of it. But, yeah. Yeah. They just didn't do it. Yeah. So, it, what do you both of you guys think? Is this, and I'll put it just, you know, as politically correctly as I can, is it time for me to take my images off of Flickr and go someplace like 500 pics or throw them up on, keep everything on yeah. Smug Mug? Or is it is it that I mean, time to start considering other alternatives? Because I don't want to be in the position where I get that dreaded email from a service <laughs> that says, hey, thanks for being a loyal customer for the last what 10 years uh but yeah. we're shutting yeah. down next month make other arrangements you know when are we going to see yeah, there's, there's this place called mega upload you should put your files on mega upload really what is it <laughs> being sarcastic those oh. are the guys that were just they were just raided by the government for uh, <laughs> oh, pirate, pirate oh my God. thanks ron that's helpful <laughs> yeah don't do that uh no. i'm in the same boat i've got a you know a bunch of stuff on Flickr. It, uh, you know i think anybody that is uh, naively believing that any online photo site is the only place they should have their photos is is being you know kind of silly. So obviously you should have everything locally machine backed up a couple times. Yeah. But yeah, I'm in the same boat. I got I use Flickr. I've got a lot of stuff up there. It's sort of my go-to place for you know sharing photos with people. And you know it's purely inertia at this point for why I'm still using it though. I'm sure there are better options out there. I just haven't taken the time to figure out what they are and where the cost benefit is. I mean I even you know I just repaid for the pro level because I had a bunch of stuff I needed to upload and I was like you know half of my photos went into limbo land if you don't pay for the pro level then a bunch of your older photos go into limbo and you can't see them anymore so you know you sort of all right here's my whatever it is 25 bucks for another year yeah I mean it's just it just it it gets me because like even us this week in photo has a huge Flickr group that we administer Uh, it's got right now almost 12,000 members in it so yep. what do we what do we do if Flickr goes away with those twelve thousand members? Is it time to start mailing them now to go to some other service or go to Google Plus or something? Or yeah, it's yeah. I mean, right now it's probably Google Plus, right? It's yeah. probably that's that's the the service that I mean, Facebook probably has more photos stored than Google does, but it doesn't quite have the same framework for showing them off in the same way. There's some yeah, plugins. I don't want to see people's birthday pictures in the club, you know. It's, yeah, that's it. There, that doesn't count as a photo stuff. to me, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. So, I mean, it does feel sort of like right now, if you had to pick something, it would be Google's sort of Picasso framework, which is kind of transparently behind the scenes for everything you're doing on Google+. Plus. Um, yeah. And then I don't know what, you know, the other piece of this story is Picnic. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Google well, before, before you go to Picnic, I want to get Sarah's thoughts on on uh, Flickr and Flickr. what's what's happening there. Sarah, would it, do you do you? I mean, you're you're high. End. I when I think about Sarah France, I think of high end. You know, like getter if you can afford it. Kind of wedding photographer that's always booked up for the next two years. Does someone like you care about a service like Flickr? Mm, I don't know if someone like me does, but I don't. <laughs> awesome so i don't it's not that i don't care i i appreciate that it's there and i appreciate what it's there for but i haven't really found a need for it in my in kind of my world and it's um you know i know it's there and i think i have an account i might have an image (laughs) on it it all right there I know like, it's there, I, and I think I have an account. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just randomly open accounts for new cool things because I want to check them out, right? You want to squat so, on like, your name. That's 10 years ago or whatever. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yep. Always, always, always grab your name on anything. <laughs> yep, yep. So, um, but yeah, I just never really integrated it into the into our system. So maybe, I mean, I am looking for a replacement for Mobile Me. So... Um, I'm not going to go look at Flickr now, apparently, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm still, nope. I'm still looking for a replacement for mobile me. So hopefully as a group here at TWIP, we can come up with what is the next best thing. We should do that. We should put our, you know, all the, the co-hosts that come on, we should put our collective minds together and come up with a recommendation for the TWIP army as to if in fact, you know, the Titanic goes down um where do we go you know what's the what's the ship that we should put our photos on and right now i'm not sure i mean there's all kinds of cool alternatives i did an interview with the folks over at deviant art that's an alternative there's you know 500 pics which is more of a put your best foot forward kind of site um there's smug mug which is had charges a fee so it's not free like flicker so what what's the right answer we should we should think about that and make yeah. a recommendation yeah nice. and i it's probably going to depend a lot on what they're using it for, but I think it would be a good exercise for us all to do. And I would love for you guys to do it with me because I have to do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Translation. Please do it for me and Please. tell me where I should put my images. <laughs> Please do my work for me. That would be awesome. Do my That'd homework awesome. for me. Come on. Uh, so as Ron was mentioning, Picnic, um, which was powering, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the image editing features within yahoo has announced that it's shutting down and they also power the image editing features in google i and i believe so <laughs> do you are you guys familiar with with picnic i'm not quite sure what all it does i thought it was as a google product that i, I shouldn't even say it I was like a about picnic it. and i hate to say was because it seems like it, it was just yesterday but picnic was like a you know how adobe has the online photoshop tools where you yeah can it's edit online photo editing it's that, you right. know, so you can do yeah. rudimentary kind of quick fixes to images and, and save them back out all within your browser. That was that was the idea. So they anyway, they've announced that they're they're going away and moving. What did it say? Let me read this. So April 19th, they'll be shutting down its service and moving everything to Google Plus. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So from what I understand, Picnic was just the um, if you're not a Google Plus member that you can still use our tools but through picnic and Mm -hmm, so now mm -hmm. they're shutting down the no you need to be a google plus member to use our tools yeah i I don't think this one is is that big a deal because i suspect most of these features are still going to be around and it's just going to be kind of rebranded and and put under the google yeah 
Yeah, so I don't think this is quite the same deal as as a you know a major tool kind of going away or danger you know, having a danger of going away so much as it's uh, a transition and a rebranding and kind of part of Google's overall strategy to kind of roll things into a little bit more of a unified front. Yeah. Well, aside yeah. from that, the 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 spin that I wanted to ask you guys, and I always use the show to answer my own personal questions, um, is so online photo manipulation slash editing services like Picnic that run in your browser and let you make edits and crops and those red eye corrections and that sort of thing to your images within Chrome, Safari, Firefox. Do you guys care about those kind of services? Like, because you guys are kind of representative of the TWIP audience. Do I'm wondering, do people, because I don't, I mean, I personally, I don't edit my images within the browser. I'm going to use them. I'm going to, I'm going to edit them in some application on my desktop that's running on my computer or my iPhone or something, but I'm not going to do it within the browser itself. Do you guys do that at all? Uh, no, not. I mean, the only time that I would like to have that is just sort of, I kind of feel like any website that allows me to upload a photo should really have an easy way to kind of go in and slightly tweak that photo a little bit. It'd be nice. It's sort of a, a side benefit kind of thing. A lot of times you're like, all right, I just got a photo here that somebody emailed to me and I want to upload it. And like, oh, you know, it looks kind of dim. I should be able to just bring it up real quick. I would love to see sort of a baseline of photo manipulation tools kind of accessible from just about anywhere. But other than that, no, I don't. It's not the kind of thing where I'm going to do any large amount of photo editing. But either we're a different beast from the average person out there who would probably be just fine saying, oh, I'm just going to upload all my photos. I know I have, I have a lot should of should they? Should the, should the average person be doing stuff in a browser or should they, you know, go get Photoshop Elements or Lightroom or Aperture or something like that to do their... I mean, we're talking specifically to the, to the TWIP army here. This is the folks that are serious about photography and are listening, you know, what, 30 minutes into a podcast strictly about photography. So they're dedicated right. to this stuff. Yes, and, and anybody that really truly cares about their photos should be in control of their photos from start to finish, and that includes you know owning where they're stored and owning what you've done to them, and having tools for doing that. And I can't, I have yet to see a tool online that is as good as a local tool. So yes, I think for anybody listening to this podcast, they should not, you know, they, like I said, they should own their photos in, in every aspect of it as possible. Now, yeah, Sarah, Sarah, what about you? Are you are you doing your wedding albums and editing all that stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in your browser? Oh, oh yeah, totally. No, <laughs> totally. We don't, do them I on mean, the train. <laughs> totally. Just do them on my iPad and throw them up. I everything that we do is you know takes a lot of processing power. So that's why I feel like none of the online tools can really be good enough for anyone in our twip army i just feel like if you're serious about your photography you're you're going to be serious about your post-production and your editing and um that's a big piece of it i mean you there a lot of it is in shooting but a lot of it is in the post-production these days too and and how you're doing your editing so um the fact that i've never heard of picnic is probably a sign that (laughs) uh, you're pretty plugged in you're as geeky as i am so. Yeah, so so that for sure is a sign that it was probably not a tool that'll be sorely missed by our TWIP army here. But um, I think it's important for everybody to understand, you know, the difference between a professional tool and a consumer tool. It's not that there's no place for it. Um, it's just not necessarily a place for professional photographers to be doing their post-production. Yeah, I, I agree. 
All right, let's uh, let's move on to our listener Q and A segment. This is where our guests get to answer questions that have come in from our audience via our website forums, our Facebook group, Google Plus, over Twitter, etc. P.S. You can use the hashtag pound or hash twip questions to submit your questions for future shows. Question number one is from Kent Vidrine of Fairfax, Virginia, and he writes, Frederick, Alex, and guests often say that good photos are made by good photographers. It's not about the gear. I agree that good photos come out of just about any camera, but what if that was all there was to it? But what? But if that well okay, but if that was all there was to it, I'm sure the good photographers would never spend the money on gear. But instead, I hear on the podcast about photographers lusting after the next lens or flash or camera body. So I don't think it's quite fair to say that it's all about the photographer. Gear matters, Sarah. What do you think? Is it a, is a combination of gear and photographer, or is it if it, is it just about the art and and the skill of the shooter? Well, first of all, I love this question because I think it, it's something that we do talk about a lot. And it's mostly because we've heard somebody say, like, it's it's all about the gear. It's not about the photography. You know, it's mm-hmm. it really is a balance. You're talking about me, aren't you? No. I th- well, <laughs> I think the important thing here is that the gear lets a photographer get the shot. Like what I notice between if I'm using an iPhone or if I'm using my my professional, you know, camera is I can get the shot and know that I got it and know that I nailed it. So it's kind of like a um a level of confidence and just having a tool that works and functions better and gives you more control. It's not that I can't get it with something else, but um it, it's a lot you know, not as likely that I'm yeah. going to grab that like one well, moment when you're I trying would, to take it with an iPhone. I would, I would piggyback on it, you know, to slightly disagree with you. I mean, yes, I agree that having great gear helps you get the shot and you may get shots that you didn't get without that gear. Like, okay, this, this camera focuses faster, or has better low light performance than, than another one. Therefore I, you know, I got an image that would have been impossible with another piece of equipment. However, what I like to preach on the show is to understand the fundamentals of photography before getting mired. I think that's what, that's where Kent kind of maybe misunderstood what I was saying is, you know, understanding the fundamentals and physics to some degree behind light and exposure and shutter speed and composition and those those pieces that will never, ever, ever change no matter what gear you're using is what I suggest people become masters of before they start saying, I need the latest and greatest camera. So I think, right. I think it's it's a mixture. Yes, okay, I'll, I'll acquiesce and say that gear, yes, gear does matter. Um, because if you don't have that low light sensor, you're going to miss shots at that wedding that you were shooting that, you know, you could have got if you had that 5d or better camera. But if you don't know how to use that, the lower end camera, you're still going to miss a ton of shots. So Ron, Ron, what about you? Where do you, where do you fall on this argument of gear versus no? Well, I think most of the time it's more a matter of for most shots, gear really probably doesn't matter. You know, if it's, if you've got good lighting, and and everything else is kind of there, you know. Gear is oftentimes expensive. Gear is often sort of edge case gear, right? It's the kind of stuff that lets you know in the edge case where the lighting isn't good, then you can still get a better shot for it. So I think you know that that's where I see it more is that there are plenty of really good photos where the gear, for the most part, 
did not matter, right? You could have gotten same photo no matter what sort of modern high quality camera you're taking. But if you're in those situations where you, you, you need something weird or it's a little bit out of the ordinary, that's where some of the higher end gear is going to get you in there. Or you just a different piece of equipment, right? An ultra wide lens or uh, whatever else, a macro lens, all those sort of things. Obviously, you can't get certain shots if you don't have certain types of equipment. But I think the other thing, too, is that you know, half the reason why we lust after gear uh, is it makes our life easier, right? You know, a lot of times it's sort of, I mean, I shot this photo of a, you know, a little spider that I found outside in front of my house. Oh, this is a really colorful little spider, and I want to take a shot of it. And I don't have a good macro lens right now, but I've got extension tubes. But, you know, it's you, you can't focus as easily with them, and so half the time you're focusing with your tripod instead of with the lens and, you know, all that kind of stuff where had I had a dedicated macro lens, it would have been a lot easier to get the shot, but instead I had to kind of make do with what I had. And, you know, I ended up getting an okay shot out of it, and I'm not convinced I could have necessarily got a much better shot with a dedicated macro lens, but it probably would have been a lot easier. So I, that's yeah. that's part of it, you know. So here, here's a hypothetical question for both of you guys. So you're, you're starting out in photography, and you have, I don't know, let's say $500 to spend right now. And should you you're, – say you're $500 away from buying a really nice camera, like a 5D or something. You've been saving your money. You're $500 away from getting that camera. And or you can spend that 500 bucks and buy, say, you know, a couple years or whatever worth of – online training from someplace like kelbytraining.com or something like that what should that photographer do and they're they're like i said just starting on photography and they want to they want to get better should they get the camera and learn on the job by shooting 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 and you know making mistakes and and seeing things real time or should they let folks like kelby and joe mcnally and katrine iceman and all those folks instruct them on how to be a photographer before they buy the gear sarah Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is really hard but yes. i think i think if it was me i'm gonna go with what i did and that was by the gear so i felt like i needed the gear before you know i could really start to hone in on on needing to learn more like i needed to learn the gear and the technology and understand photography and use my own natural eye and then i needed to kind of grow and and learn beyond what i felt like i could do on my own got it it's good you've got to have some kind of gear obviously to get started and there is this sort of you don't want to buy gear that you're going to outgrow right away you know, it's it's the classic thing that usually is said about tripods, right? You know, you can buy a cheap tripod, and really all you've done is just added to the cost of the more expensive tripod you're going to buy in another six months <laughs> once you realize what your crap tripod is not capable of doing. So you do have to have a gear at some level, but you know, I think it's it, it kind of goes down to the personality of the person that's trying to learn photography too. You know, some people are good with grabbing a lot of books and taking a lot of time and understanding it and, and doing the research, whereas what a training can give you is a much more focused kind of learning experience, which can potentially jumpstart you to a level of where you could make money back on it a lot sooner than just figuring it out on yourself. So it kind of depends on where you're at and how desperate you are to start monetizing, I think. Yeah. And the only other thing I want to just throw in here is that because I'm the only, well, because I'm a wedding photographer, I feel like the gear is somewhat 
well, for me, because of my style, the gear is actually the more expensive gear is actually a necessity to me for, for the style of photography that I want to shoot. So a lot of my stuff is really like shallow depth of field. And, and, and so I'm going for a certain look. And in order to do that, I need the lenses that actually allow for me to do that. And, yeah. and so that's kind of the area where when we have this question, I kind of come back to like, well, yes, you, you maybe don't need it. But in my case, I, I feel like I do. I feel like if I traded my 51.2 in for a 51.8 right now, I would, I would be crying because I just, I couldn't actually accomplish the things that I was trying to accomplish when it comes to the look and feel of the image. Yeah. So it's situational. Yeah. And I guess like everything, it depends, you know, it depends on what your what the goals that you're going for are. If you, if you're trying to be a fine art artist and you, you, you're not be held into a client and timelines and all that stuff. And you just want to, you know, learn about this stuff, then you could probably get by with any old camera, maybe a Holgar or something. But if you are, if you need that performance and that sort of thing, then yeah, you got to buy the gear to fit the task. So yeah, there's no, I don't think there's one correct answer to this. All right, guys, let's move on to question number two. It's about managing online presences. Patrick Rafanan wrote to us, and he said he's having a bit of an identity crisis with all the social media sites that are available. And he'd like to know how we deal with having a profile on Facebook as well as a page for your business. How do you keep them separate, uh, you know, like personal versus strictly professional? Do you put all your content in one place and link from everywhere or drop little bits around randomly? He's wondering, do we have any simple solutions to manage our online presences? Uh, Sarah, you're pretty prolific online. Where, how do you keep everything together? And don't say, well, I hire people to do it. <laughs> I, I don't know how they do it, my team. I'm just kidding. Exactly. So um, we actually have two Facebooks. I have a personal Facebook page and I have a business Facebook page. And for a long time, I just had my personal page and I didn't really understand why I should have a a business page. And that just seemed like double because I am my business. Um, but when I hit 5,000 friends on Facebook, I realized why I needed a business page because you can't actually go past 5,000 friends on, on Facebook. So that was when, you know, we launched the business page and we've been trying to kind of convert things over to, to having those two separate lives a little bit. But it's it's challenging. I think if I was to do it all over again, I would start with a business and a personal page separate. Yeah. And I would and I would really populate that business page with the relationships and try and keep them going. But honestly, I don't I feel like Facebook um it's kind of a challenge because the the business page doesn't feel like it has as much of a connection because you're you're basically asking somebody to connect with you with you not connecting back with them. So it's kind of like Twitter, mm-hmm. like it's here, come follow me. Yeah. It's very one way. It's not relationship building. It's just here, come like, see what I'm doing and pay attention to me. I'm over here. And so that's why I've been having a little bit of a difficulty of a disconnect in trying to communicate back with people, photographers who want to stay connected with me and I want to stay connected with them. So we've been starting to like, um, other photographers page from our per- professional page 
and um, so that we can keep track of of them as well and feel like we're sharing. But really, I've been looking more at Google Plus and trying to see if that really is a better solution. Like consolidate um, everything over on Google Plus, you mean, or or keep yeah, like going? like try try to move a lot of the relationships over to Google Plus. We already we already have started that that a little bit in um, the email that we send back when somebody wants to friend me on my personal page, we send them an email back and say, we just can't, first of all. Um, and so we actually ask them to go to the Facebook page. We tell them we'd like to, you know, like their page as well. And then we also invite them to our Google Plus page. So I feel like with with that, I'm somehow managing all those relationships, but it's a lot to handle and there's a lot going on. So you have to really pick your strategy and figure out what it is that you want to do, where you want to connect with people and use that as your consistent line of communication. I mean, I, I have a Twitter, but my Twitter feeds to both of my Facebook pages and um, you're, that's just kind of how we how we do it, yeah. but... Yeah. What about you, Ron? Know. How do how do you manage everything, or are you or are you managing all the stuff? Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. It's so hard because you know something new pops up, and I mean the person you should be asking this of is somebody like Trey Ratcliffe, who's you know does an amazing job of sort of staying on top of the the trends and uh, you know keeping keeping his presence out there. I just noticed that he was popping onto Pinterest the other day, which is one that I've not sort of hasn't crossed my radar until recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's the latest thing, and it's sort of starting to get traction as well. And it, that's oh. the problem with all this is you can spend a ton of time you know, chasing what the latest thing is. And but if you do, it's got a big payoff potential where you can really build a, a decent audience. So I don't have a good answer. I wish you know, I wish there was some, some magic tool that could just sort of constantly be up to date doing it. Because I certainly find myself posting the same thing, like manually even sometimes posting almost the same thing on Twitter and then on Facebook and then on Google Plus and mm-hmm. on Flickr, you know, it's just not efficient. Yeah, well, um, for This Week in Photo and me personally, it's, you know, it's hard. It's almost impossible if you want to give personal, in, like, personal interaction to each one of these services. Like, they're designed for, like, Facebook is designed to be a personal conversation. Twitter is supposed to be a one on, like, a one-to-many or many-to-one sort of interaction. And you can't do that. There's not time to do that and still, like, like you know take advantage of the earth you know so mm-hmm. so what what we've been doing we don't i don't post that often for this week in photo but and so there's a this week in photo account there's a frederick van account um and what i do is i use a service called hootsuite which is a paid service and hootsuite allows me to i you know basically enter the username and password for all of our accounts and then when I say a new episode drops of This Week in Photo, I can Twitter about it and just write in one place and it will push a tweet out to all the Twitter accounts and all the Facebook accounts and Facebook pages. And I believe they're adding, adding Google Plus to it as well. But still, the problem yeah. with it is it's, it's great because I can just write one thing and blast it out everywhere. But there's two problems that I've seen. A, if people are following, following me in multiple locations, they see the same thing, which breaks the whole, okay, this is personal. You know, it's not cool. And then secondly, it's it's not interactive. It's just a broadcast. You know, it's not like I'm having a conversation with people. It's just me saying, you know, with a bullhorn, hey, the latest ver- latest episode of Twip is out, you know, and they come check it out. So I don't I don't think there's any one right answer. The For me, what it's looking like is Google Plus. It's looking like, OK, 
let's just let the last post on everything will be go to our Google Plus account and then we'll manage it from there. So I don't know, but I don't I don't have the right answer for this. It's it's an interesting issue. And then like Ron, you were saying services like Pinterest that are popping up and now we got another one, you know, that people are flocking to that we have to and there's going to be new ones coming all the time. So how do you, how do you manage all this? So Patrick is right on that it's a, it's an issue. Yeah, I would have to say, though, from the female side of this room, that Pinterest is amazing. Like, <laughs> if As you she have, says breathlessly. <laughs> I know. Like, when I first discovered Pinterest, I spent hours. And it was, it's just, it, if you minute, Sarah, But you say from it, the female should. side of things, does that mean it's a girl side it, or what? It, you know, it's kind of, it kind of is a girly side, like a to be honest. Thing? But- Although I just went on there today and I was like finding more people to follow from my Facebook page and I like my Facebook friends and I was amazed at how many men were on there. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong hmm. on on how this is, but it it has seemed very well. It's very visual, so it's very photographer focused. Like if you're a photographer and you're looking for inspiration, like Pinterest is amazing because all the good stuff just kind of rises to the top. And if you're following all of your photographer friends, they find really cool photos and you can see it as well. So it's anything from pinning great photos that you love and getting inspiration to, uh, I'm a girl, so I'm going to say finding great hairstyles, like (laughs) literally finding great hairstyles, clothes, um, outfit organization, like places you want to visit, what you want your house to look like. I'm Mm. honestly, the coordinator, wedding coordinators and the brides live on this site. So Mm -hmm. if you're a wedding photographer um, or a a photographer of any sort, this site can be really incredible. And and really the power of it that I feel is when um, you're following like-minded people because they will find the images and the different things that you're going to be interested in. So if you're a landscape photographer, then only follow your landscape photographer friends or something like that because then they're, the images that they find will pop up on your Pinterest site and you can you can pin them to boards and keep uh, them for inspiration. Sorry, I know it's me. another you're thing to me. do, but you're going to – I'm telling you, I'm telling you, skip the TV show that you were going to watch tonight and just go on Pinterest. <laughs> You'll be like you know, thoroughly it's funny entertained. You say that. It's funny you say that yeah. because I was just talking to somebody earlier. I'm like, I'm canceling my Comcast this week, I think, because I never watch it. I don't have time to watch it. I'm, only, only thing I use from Comcast is my internet connection. So why am I paying all this money a month – for nothing. <laughs> so. I haven't had TV in three years. Wow. <laughs> so you're saying so, I'm three years behind. Okay. I am, I am saying I can't believe you even got Comcast, but I know, you know, I know it was that whole TiVo thing. So I got to get rid of that too. Yeah. Get rid of the TiVo. <laughs> Sell the TiVo if anyone will buy it oh, and good grief. just hook up your computer to your TV. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm okay. doing. <laughs> All right, guys, before we continue, um, hey, Ron, before we go on, do you want, is there anything you want to add to that? Nope. All right. It is time for my favorite part of the show. This is Picks of the Week. This is where each guest can give their pick, and this can be software, hardware, a gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it, it is somehow related to photography. Sarah, you haven't been on in about 19 years. I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? 
It wasn't that long ago, gosh. <laughs> so my pick of the week is WPPI. So if you haven't heard of WPPI, it's Wedding and Portrait Photographers International, and they have their big conference in Vegas every year. And it is a blast. It's not only a huge party, but a great way to get some really incredible, incredible education they do their education track is is phenomenal and um it's a really great conference i've been going for oh i'm gonna date myself like nine years maybe wow. i think yeah this will you be my ninth 15? year Jeez. i know i know <laughs> so glad awesome. um <laughs> i started early so um this year i actually am speaking i'm doing my first platform class ever Super excited. So, um, and I'm really, really nervous that no one's going to show up. So if you don't mind, if you do come to WPPI, please come see me. I'm doing an Aperture Intensive class um, on Monday morning at 8 a.m. And I think they're going to have the WPPI link um, in the in the show notes. Yep. So um, you can go and check it out. It is the 19th through the 23rd. Of they February, there? yes. Of February. And it's in it's in Vegas, um, and it is a blast. So definitely and come and check it out. I will be there. So uh, And I'll definitely come by and, and check out your presentation, Sarah. So. Oh, thank you. One more person in the room. Oh, and <laughs> one more little tidbit, just so you guys know, if you're new to WPBI, there is a way once you register to sign up for classes that you want to see, and they call it pre-flight. So if you want to see a class, definitely go in and do that because they actually – um, block the class off after a certain number and they won't let anybody else into the class. So um, I, I've i seen people make that mistake their first year and not be able to get into classes that they really wanted to see and be bummed. So yeah. definitely do that. It's awesome. Very cool. WPPI. We'll definitely link over to that in the show notes. All right, Ron Brinkman, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, just a, a quick one uh, on the assumption that many photographers want to set up a web page. I've been playing with a little something called Unbounce. Uh, it's just unbounce.com, and it, it lets you build a quick landing page. Uh, but the thing that's kind of unique about it, uh, un, you know, different from something like a WordPress or, or even a Squarespace, is that it kind of has this back end where it makes it really easy to do A-B testing. And I don't know, you know, if you're not familiar with that term, it's sort of you actually put up two different versions of your website and serve it up, you know, 50% to to half the people that show up get one version and the other half get a different version of it. And then you can kind of measure which is more effective, which one gets people to click through more often. And the really useful thing, it's something that, you know, any major website will do it to help sort of tune what they have set up and how effective their marketing presence is on their website. Uh, and this is a, a free service that kind of makes that whole process much more transparent. If you once you start getting more traffic, then it kicks into being a paid service. But it's nice when you start off; it's totally free, really easy interface. Just kind of drag and drop for setting up a web page. So even if you don't initially take advantage of the A/B testing, it's a real quick way to get a nice-looking interface up. But then once you have it up and running, it's really handy for that as well. I think you've used it as well, Frederick, right? I have, yeah. Like, you know, I, I mentioned on the show before that I launched this new company called MediaBytes.com, and the landing pages are all done in Unbounce, and it's it's just phenomenal. It's a web-based UI for creating, you know, it's not for creating websites, it's for creating a single converting, and when I use the word converting, that means 
pages that make people do something or incite that inspire people to do something, whether that be click a link or sign up for something or whatever. And it's, it's just perfect for that. And like Ron was saying, the AB testing feature is just amazing. You can have, it's not a, just AB, you can have ABCDEFG numbers of landing pages for one single product that the service automatically rotates through. So for example, on media bytes, I just did AB. So I have two, pages i think for the two products that i launched with initially and one of them has a video on there and one of them just has a photo on there and i can log in and see which page is doing the best and i can also say after a specified amount of time make this this landing page the hero and stop serving up the other one because clearly people like this one better and it's all automated so it just it just works so yeah i definitely recommend it unbounce is uh, it's pretty crazy so good, good pick, Ron. Thank you. All right, my pick is Eyeson, and now that I say the word, the name out loud, I understand what they were trying to go for. <laughs> it's Eyes On. So Eyes On mm-hmm. is a remote room monitor from a company called Stern Innovation. I just, I'm making this my pick because I just bought it today, uh, and it's really cool. It's basically this little thing, which is a video camera and with a mic in it. It was a really nice Apple-like design that you buy and plug it in and connect it to your network, and it broadcasts video securely to your iPhone or your iPad anywhere in the world as long as you're connected to the Internet. So you can set this thing up. Like, I'm going to set it up in in a room where my cat normally sleeps, and when I travel, (laughs) I can check on her. Yeah, I have a cat, so what? Uh, so, Aww, yeah. that's so sweet. Her name is Baba, and she's on my lap right now because she's feeling love. She's feeling lovey because I've been gone for a while. Um, you sure it's not because you're feeding her some of that whiskey you said you were drinking? That's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was gone back in the uh, when we were talking about, I don't know, Yahoo. All right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's eyes on, it's like 120 bucks or something like that. And it's, uh, it's, you just plug it in, set it up, download the free app and on your iPad or your iPhone. And suddenly you can see whatever that thing is pointed at. I think it's, it's actually really cool until somebody hacks it and <laughs> they see, yeah, they uh, see in your house. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Another quick thing on the eyes on one of the reasons I got one is I just bought a new house and my, my lovely new neighbor next door is also a Mac geek. So he is going to buy one and put it on his upstairs deck facing towards my house. And I'm going to do the same thing so that we can log on and check out our houses when we're away. So it's actually kind of cool. It's kind of a cool idea. Nice. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a couple of other ones that are sort of popping up, other cameras that are popping up to do the same kind of thing. But I can't remember the name. There's another one that I know has gotten some good traction to, and I can't remember the name of it, though. So. Yeah. The yeah, only, it, the only it, drawback to this one that I found so far is that I would love it if I could actually control the camera. I think you can control yeah. like zoom and stuff, but it's kind of it's got a cool magnetic mount that you stick the camera on and you can position it where you want it to go, but you can't like joystick and pan and zoom and all that stuff. So, you know, as long as you're okay with just the one single wide angle view of it, I think it's fine. So check it out. We'll definitely link over to that in the show notes over on their site. They've got cool videos and all that stuff for you to look at. All right. Cue the sad music. We're once again at the end of another episode of this week in photo, Sarah France, where can people go to find out what you're up to and uh, what you're working on? Um, You can always go to sarahfrance.com or gobybags.com, G O B E E bags.com. And you can find me on Twitter 
I'm Sarah France, and on Facebook, Sarah France Photography. All right, very cool. And Ron Brinkman, where are you? I am on Twitter as Ron Brinkman. My website or blog is digitalcomposting.com, and that's about it. Very cool. Thanks, Ron. All right, and don't forget to tune in to TWIP Live on the last Thursday of every month, starting again this month. I think we just did one. Um, our, well, starting again last month in January, we just did one on the last Thursday, and we're going to do another one in February. If you want to find out when those are happening, just follow our Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus feeds, and we will remind you. And if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to all of our online presences. Also, please support the show by leaving us a comment on iTunes. We read each and every one of those and would love to hear from our listeners over there. And speaking of iTunes, be sure to check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as soon as they are released. Also, we're now available on Android devices. Android users can subscribe to the feed. Check out thisweekinphoto.com for the details. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at my brand new site, mediabytes.com. It's a marketing school for creatives and that's m-e-d-i-a-b-y-t-e-s and with that it is time to take that lens cap off Weekend Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. 